Hey everybody, Christina Zias here. I'm a body positive fashion blogger, TV style expert, and your host of Lip Stories. I am so excited for this new season of Lip Stories where we are discussing everything in relation to beauty. We are digging in on beauty norms and what it means to embrace your own beauty. A special thank you to Sephora Collection and the Lip Stories lipstick line for making this whole podcast possible. If you haven't already checked out the shades, what are you waiting for? They have everything from matte colors to metallic colors and dozens of shades, so you'll be sure to find something that you absolutely love. In today's episode, we are talking to Lauren Wasser. Lauren is a professional runway and editorial model. She grew up with her parents in the modeling industry and was featured in Italian Vogue alongside her mother when she was just two months old. Lauren's life was dramatically changed after being afflicted with toxic shock syndrome as a side effect of using tampons. She almost lost her life. I cannot wait for you to hear this conversation with Lauren. She's super cool, she's super motivating, and she's a total badass. And I know for me, I thought I was in the know about TSS and tampons, and boy, was I wrong. This conversation was so eye-opening, and I cannot wait for you to listen. So, without further ado, let's get into it. I'm so excited to meet you and to have you here. So welcome. Thank you. Okay, so I know that you're based in LA. Are you like traveling a bunch or are you are you pretty local? Do you like to stay in LA for the summer? Um, well, right now I'm I'm kind of just stuck here because I'm training for the New York City Marathon, so I'm just constantly running my ass off literally. Dude, that's um, amazing. It is, but it's so time consuming and sweaty and gross all the time and it's uh it's it's dedication for sure, but I'm definitely I'm in it. So. Is this the first marathon that you that you're running? Yeah, I've never Have you ever run a half marathon? No. Have you run a 5K before? Yeah. Okay, okay. That's amazing. Yeah, it's also bringing back the athlete in me. I played basketball my whole life, and mm -hmm. I had a scholarship actually to play uh, in college. Does the marathon end through the park? I think so, right, in Central Park? Or maybe it begins? Anyways, it's going to be so victorious, and you're going to feel incredible. No, yes. I'm really just grateful that I can even run, to be honest, because I, was, I wasn't able to do that for so long, and I lost a piece of myself, too. To be able to have that is just really f freedom. Oh, and, my gosh. Um, I can imagine. And so. I'm your story is so wild and so inspiring, and I want to get into everything. But let's like wind it back um, for our listeners that don't necessarily know you. Like you're you're a model, and you grew up with parents that were models too. Did, were you kind of like born a model? Like how did that even work? <laughs> like I feel like when was your first photo shoot? My first photo shoot, I think I was like three or four months old. Okay, with, uh, so that's what I'm saying. You were kind of born a model. Yeah, I was. I was. My mom was was a amazing human she had me i think she like she was 21 she was at like one of the, the peak of her, her career and um got pregnant with me and we kind of just traveled she did some maternity modeling and then she had me and then i kind of was like traveling with her all over the world and um as three three months four months patrick dimashe shot her and i for italian vogue my dad was also a model so yeah it was just kind of something i was just born into what was it like being on set at a young age? Were you like so, I mean, obviously you were so immersed into like this world that most people can only see like a glimpse of like from editorials and magazines yeah. and not fully understand. But how did that kind of develop your confidence and like your love for beauty and everything? Um, I think it was just kind of crazy because my mom in, in the late 80s, early 90s, she was part of that whole crew with Stephanie Seymour and Cindy Crawford and 
um, I was around all of those girls all the time. And um, my mom was in the limelight all the time and doing the parties, you know, doing all the shows. And I was around that 1%. And especially around then when being a supermodel, I think, was really so cool because a lot of women were able to be themselves mm -hmm. and wear their curves and um, just grace the runways in a, in a different way, I think, than now even. But I also think I... I it kind of messed me up in a way because I only saw one side of beauty and that was growing up was this perfection was, you know, no flaws. I mean, these women were walking around just stunning, just the most amazing, beautiful creatures you could imagine. And they were just born that way. And it was kind of the only thing I saw growing up. So did you ever obviously like they were like kind of a vision of perfection? but I feel like everyone has their own insecurities inside. Did you ever see them voice any insecurities that they had, or was it always like this vision of perfection? Uh, it was always the vision of perfection, but also, I mean, I saw my mom, you know, my mom was always looking perfect, always on point, would never, ever leave the house unless she was, you know, looking 1,000%. Mm -hmm. And that, in my mind, was like, I was always the complete opposite. I'm like, let me throw on some Jordans and some basketball shorts and I'm out. <laughs> and she would never do that in a million years. She would want to be wearing, you know, heels and, you know, dress really pretty and have her hair done. And, you know, I don't know. It was just really, I just always saw that. That was just something that was always in my life was just being consistently on point. Do you think that because you always saw that in your life, you were kind of like, oh, I don't really necessarily want this or need it? Because I know you said like your mom was always like immaculate walking in heels, mm -hmm. like probably dressed to the nines. And you're like, I'm good with basketball shorts. Do you feel like it almost like made you kind of want to do the opposite or no? Yeah, I definitely was more of a tomboy and like basketball was my love. Like I didn't even really want to model. Modeling was kind of just like there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just really wanted to play sports. I was just a tomboy, but also I was such a baby too. And I don't know. I could do both. Being on set with your mom or maybe even your dad, were you there like as your mom was like sitting in the makeup chair getting her hair and makeup done? What was kind of like that seeing your mom like maybe go from bare face to seeing like a glamazon like transformation? Did you she's, love seeing that? Yeah, she's just a boss. Like I'm I'm so grateful for her because I mean her walk is unreal. She just takes over a room. She's always taken over a room, and she's just always been so flawless. But her soul, if anything, and her heart is so beautiful, too, that mm -hmm. it's like that's something that I'm so grateful that I have from her as well is because she's not just all about beauty. She has, like, so much depth to her. Um, but always seeing her being a powerhouse was really exciting, and I always just was like, wow, she's so beautiful, and she just would kill it in front of the camera and she'd actually like make me sit my brother and I for hours when she'd want to shoot pictures she would literally sit us down and like pose us and <laughs> like not let us move and just like like if she was taking portraits of you yeah too. yeah like oh she was gosh. trying to learn photography and she'd like you know pose us and sit us differently and be like Lauren do this and Lauren, you know like kind of show me the ropes a little bit but um, I love that like, yeah she was in so those fun. moments where you feeling it where you're like yes like, yes and no, but okay. I think I've always just had like a love-hate relationship with the camera because my mom did force me a little bit. Right. <laughs> it's just like, dude, I don't want to do this right now. Wait, but. my mom used to force us to go to Jay-Z Penny's to do like holiday portraits, okay? <laughs> and that was awful for me. So like yeah. this is way more glamorous than I can imagine, like still the pressure. Uh, oh my yeah. gosh, that's so funny. So when you wanted to go into basketball, were your parents very supportive of that? Oh yeah, I always play basketball. My dad was a basketball player. I got, I definitely got it from him. Um 
yeah, I just always played ball. It was my thing. It was my heart. It was it was literally my scapegoat. Like I walked on the court and nothing else mattered. So I kind of felt like that was my just my passion. With other women in the locker room, was there a relationship to beauty there? That's actually really funny. I actually never played with women until high school. I was always playing with men. Um, even when That's I was young, cool. I played with like on co-ed. rec teams or yeah, like when I was like five, I got into the rec league. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom put me in and always played with dudes, always co-ed. And then um, yeah, even at the park at Barrington Park um, in Brentwood, where I grew up. I would kick the dude's asses all the time. Like, I would come from practice and then go there and do scrimmages and just play all day long. And they'd always get so frustrated because I would, I would actually walk on the court with, like, a wife beater and shorts and, and juicy uh, high, high socks because those were the, the things that were in at the moment. Oh, my gosh, I love that. And um, this tall blonde girl, and they were like, oh, she's this, like, tall little white blonde girl. She's, she's nothing. She's trash. And you showed and them And then up. I just would just make them so embarrassed. They would get so frustrated. And that was just, like, you know, my... My uh, aha moment. You probably moment. loved yeah. it. Oh, I loved it. Every I, single I soaked moment. Up every moment. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I yeah. mean, that's empowering. Yeah, it was always. I mean, I didn't know any different. And I honestly felt like it made me stronger, too, because when I did play in high school and um, was against those bigger girls, you know, who were like 6'4", six, 6'5", six, you know, 6' even, and they have, you know, they're big. Yeah. <laughs> so it actually, you know, definitely worked in my favor. Did you feel most beautiful in that white tank top in your basketball shorts like playing ball or was it like when you're more dressed up for an event like growing up when did you feel most beautiful I don't even think I ever think about beauty like that I think I just like I've always been a person of just who I am like I've always just been able to just feel the beauty from within like I don't I really don't wear a lot of makeup I'm very minimal um and I'm I'm very simple and I feel like Nowadays, especially people add so much to themselves and it just takes away from really who they are. And I've just always kind of been that way. And it's kind of just allowed me to to really dig deeper than what we all see every day, you know. So I think I was such a tomboy, too. Like beauty was like not my like, I mean, I knew I was hot. I think I was like, (laughs) I'm I'm good looking or like whatever. But I was just like kind of. Yeah. Yeah. But that confidence is like. It's really important to have, and that comes from somewhere too, right? Because I don't think like many people can be like, "Yeah, I knew I was hot." Like, <laughs> no, no I'm just saying. Like, that sounds like such a no. It doesn't. Thing I think that's amazing. <laughs> no, I don't think it's a douchey thing to say at all. I think that's amazing because confidence is like difficult, right? It's like a journey for every single person. You can be the most beautiful person in the room, but like if you don't feel good about yourself, like yeah, no one can see that because you can't even see it. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's just so important, and I'm sure that comes from a lot of your upbringing too. Yeah. Obviously, you grew up in a household with your parents modeling. Did you always want to get into modeling? No. No. No, I didn't. I didn't at all. I never really did. Um, like I said, I was tomboy, little rugrat running around. So it was more so like let my mom have that. That was her thing. Right. Basketball was mine. Definitely appreciated it. I always loved fashion. But, you know, m- my mom definitely loved that more so I was always like wanting to be like Jim Carrey and you know a big goofball I grew up on the mask and in living color so it's like either that or let me play basketball so but definitely always appreciate it I I love it I think now it gives me a whole different meaning and and well now after everything how did you get into modeling again and like why did you choose to go down that I didn't really choose to I think it just kind of happened um and I'm really grateful I did because I feel like seeing myself um, when I when I didn't see myself as anything, when I was depressed and suicidal and 
um, hated myself really. Uh, seeing myself on film and in video really allowed myself to see the beauty in me again and kind of see what I stood for and the power that, you know, just one image really spoke to me. And it was kind of cool because I didn't feel like I was just that model girl. I felt like I, I stood for something more and it was, I didn't just, you know, survive some crazy shit. Like I conquered it. And here I am. And that's kind of like when I shared my story with Vice and kind of, you know, shared to the world my experience, but also like showing that, you know, I'm kind of back with a vengeance. And I kind of want to talk about your experience with uh, mm-hmm. TSS. Okay. Toxic shock syndrome for anyone who's listening that doesn't know. I kind of just want to know, kind of like just take me through your experience. Like what were the initial symptoms that you felt that you're like, okay, something's wrong here? It was just flu-like symptoms. I mean, that's how vague it is. It's it's literally down to the simplest as that is that it's flu-like symptoms. I thought I was had the flu. It was flu seasons. All of my girlfriends had had the flu, and it was October. And you know, I I knew about TSS because my mom obviously showed me how to use the the product. Mm-hmm. You know, I changed every th- you know a couple hours and. Um, change it free you know every like what four six hours whatever it is right. never sleep in them right yeah. i never knew that to never sleep in them you should never ever sleep in tampons That's okay like i the sleep number, in tampons no you should never do that it's horrible so you were kind of educated on all that already i mean it's not common i mean it's kind of common sense like you know i mean personally i'm very up to my hygiene like i i was an, I'm, like i said i was an athlete i was always running and doing stuff and my period was really heavy i was using the product as i should and I literally just started throughout the day feeling sicker and sicker and as if I was just getting worse from the flu. That's all it felt like. I would, I would never think, even looking back to when I was like dying, I could, would never think that, oh, it's because of my tampon. Never in a million years. But I was also born in 1988 when the epidemic, when it was killing a lot of women in the early 80s. Um, toxic shock was killing a lot of women in the early 80s. And, and after that, you never heard about it. No. No one was talking about it. But also, I think Tamon companies did a really good job of kind of shoving that under the rug as if everything's changed when in actuality, nothing has changed. Right. Um, and that's the unfortunate part and, you know, why I almost lost my life. Uh, I mean, if you know, if you watch a, a tampon commercial, there's no absolute warning or anything saying that you could lose your life or possibly lose limbs. But if you see, you know, a... a a ibuprofen commercial or a men's ad you All will the see effects. the side effects or hear it because it's so quote-unquote important but my life is not important your life is not important us as women our lives don't matter it doesn't make sense like it's it's mind-blowing but that's why you know i'm fighting so hard for for us to just be seen as equal but also to bring attention to that something like this shouldn't even be a problem nowadays the technology is there and you know, these products could definitely be safer. When you were, um, obviously you felt like you had flu-like symptoms, you went to the hospital, you were, how long were you there for? And before you realized that like, one, okay, you have TSS, and two, they were going to have to amputate your leg. It was like a normal day. I was just, my period is really heavy. I was using super absorbent tampons. I ran out of my box and I, I went and bought a new box. I came back up, changed it. In the afternoon, started feeling even worse, was texting with all of my friends. Like, I think I'm just got the flu, like feel really horrible, changed it again. Then it was my friend's birthday that evening. And I was like, you know, I think I'm just gonna go show face. I hopped in the shower, obviously I changed my tampon again. 
um, drove myself to the my friend's birthday. I walked in and like everyone immediately said, "You look like death," and I felt like really horrible at that moment. Um, I drove myself back to my apartment. It was just me and my blind cocker spaniel. Um, I was extremely hot, like burning. Uh, like off, fever. Yeah, yeah. Well, at this point, my body was was accumulating 107 fever. Wow. So my my body was burning. My brain was frying from the inside because right. I was like literally dying. Um, took off all of my clothes. I went to my bed. My mom and I are really really close, and she didn't hear from me. She knew that I wasn't feeling very well. Um, she couldn't get a hold of me, and she had just had surgery, so she was bedridden. So she called for a welfare check. So the welfare check didn't come for the first time. She called again. They came. Um, I remember hearing knocking on the door. My blind cocker spaniel actually jumped on my chest, and she oh was goodness. barking like ferociously. And she's a cocker spaniel. I don't know if you know what they are, but they're like the sweetest dogs yeah. in the world. But she was pissed, like something was wrong, and it kind of got me up in two, and then I heard the knocking, and I carried myself to the door, and there was one police officer, and he came in, and he looked around, and he was like, Are, you know, really sick, and I was like, obviously, and he's like, um, you need to call your mom, because she's really worried about you, and then he just fucking left. The cop just left me, um, and... So the cop saw you in the The cop state. saw me, and saw that I was extremely ill, um, but again... Did an ambulance or anything? No, but again, like... I have flu-like symptoms. That could be so many things, right, sure. you know? I mean, had he asked me, and with the knowledge, knowing now, had he been like, do you have a tampon in? I would have been like, uh, yeah, and maybe would have been like, I should probably take it out. But I had no idea. I would have never no. put two and two together. Um, anyway, so then he just left me. I plugged my phone, and I called my mom. She's freaking out. She's like, are you okay? And I'm like, I'm really sick. She's like, uh, do you need an ambulance? And I was like, well, the cop obviously was just here. He just left. Um, St. John's Hospital was five minutes from my apartment Mm -hmm. and I can't even to this day believe he didn't even call an ambulance or take me because it was so close but um, and I said I'll call you in the morning and that just didn't sit well with her we hung up I guess she called for another welfare check she got a couple people to come over a bunch of my friends thank goodness for paranoid moms right yeah she got someone to drive her Um, then it took the cops 30 minutes to get in my apartment I was face down on my bedroom floor 10 minutes from death I had 107 fever my kidneys my organs were failing Um, they rushed me to St. John's I had two massive heart attacks Um, they put me on life support they put me in a medically induced coma and they put me um, they pumped my body full of 80 pounds of fluid to to get me I was probably about 200 pounds Mm -hmm. to flush all the toxins out of my system Um, but when I got there they were so you know, distraught because I was this young, healthy, 24-year-old girl. Why is she dying right in front of us? And thank God, um, to this day, there was an infectious disease doctor on call. And once he realized the symptoms and he um, found the tampon, they sent it to the lab and it came back as toxic shock syndrome. So once they were able to figure out what it was, they were able to treat me. But, you know, every moment was crucial. Like, they really didn't think that I was going to survive. I had a 1% chance of survival. And then from then, like, what were... So you figured that out and then what were... What was the next thing that happened? I was on medic, and then my mom and my godfather was were literally planning my uh, funeral, oh, and uh, everyone was like coming to say goodbye to me, pretty much. And every mom was grim, and I, I I think I woke up like a week and a half later from the coma. Um, and I guess when you're dying, they give you like pressers, which makes all of your blood go to all your, like, your heart, your brain, all of your actual like huge organs and your extremities are not really they don't really care so 
that's kind of what happened. So a lot of the blood flow wasn't getting to my legs and already, but then once they did that, it just kind of amplified the fact that that was irreversible. So um, I woke up a week and a half later, my feet were excruciating pain, gangrene had set into my right leg. Um, they needed to get me to uh, UCLA to get me in a hyperbaric chamber to kind of get all the blood flowing, which is like a 200% oxygen chamber. Um, and the gangrene was just moving too quickly. My left foot was severely damaged. Uh, my toes were gangrene and my heel was uh, really badly damaged. And they gave me a 50-50 chance. But I was basically like, screw you. Like, I have my whole leg. Um, and I really believe that God would just kind of get me through it. Mm -hmm. um, so I tried to salvage it. Um, but then, you know, being so young, I was overproducing so much calcium. My bones are pretty much growing back. So for the past, you know, six years, even after losing my right leg, I was always in excruciating pain and immobile, pretty much like dying because of the pain. Yeah. And it was just, you know, miserable. And I was, you know, re recently turned turning 30 and I was like, I don't want to live like this anymore. And I want my life back. And it's kind of what led me to the amputation. And kind of here I am. Yeah. Like. I feel like that that girl before all of this happened. So it's kind of a beautiful wow. That's I mean um, transition in a way, like really weird, like butterfly cocoon type situation. Like I was, yeah, it's like really weird, but yeah. Was it in a way kind of freeing a little bit? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Once I amputated my leg, I didn't have that pain anymore. Mm -hmm. It was amazing. I felt like a normal human. I couldn't believe I had you know, actually fought so hard to try and salvage that. But again, it was part of me, and I, I'm that type of person where I have to exhaust all of my options before I'm able to make a decision like that. So, When um, when the amputation first happened, was it? did you feel like there are certain things you wouldn't be able to do, or like there, and how did you break those like preconceived notions? Oh yeah, I thought it was over. Like, um, I mean, I was suicidal. Once the amputation happened and I was sent back to my household, back into reality, back into society, I was thrown in a room where, you know, A, I was 200 pounds because I was mm -hmm. full of all the excess um, water, but also I didn't have a right leg. My foot was questionable. My head was shaved because it got matted uh, when they were trying to save my life. Every single thing that I knew about myself was completely stripped. And then I'm thrown back into society that I didn't feel like I belonged to anymore because here I am, you know, 24 years old, 25 years old, and I'm immobile. And I'm, like, battling every step of the way and <clears throat> just not thinking, like, how the hell am I going to come back from this? Like, you know, I would, I would literally cry in the shower and ask God, like, why did you allow this to happen? But, you know... It all makes sense now. I totally understand my purpose. But, right. You know, it definitely, I didn't just get here. This has definitely been like a, a hell of a journey, hell of a roller coaster. I am so thankful for uh, my support system throughout everything. Mm -hmm. I definitely wouldn't have made it. Is there any advice you can give to people on like how to handle like maybe each day, like day by day, and how to become more confident even when you're going through something? You know, faith definitely is, has gotten me. I mean, I'm, I'm very spiritual. I definitely believe in God, and I definitely believe that he gave me the strength to even be sitting here right now. But our mind is probably the most powerful thing that we each carry every single day. And no matter if it's something we cannot control, it's not in our control, whether it be physical, whether it be something horrible in our life, whether it be, you know, Whatever it is, we all fight, fight, have our have our things, but it's about how we approach it, how we think about it, and our thoughts, and and how we can create, you know, getting out of those situations and and figuring out different strategies, and you know, 
when your thoughts want to go negative, you have to force them to go positive, even in the darkest moments, because that's all you can control. If you sit there and you dwell on the shit that you can't handle, you're just going to spiral down. It's impossible to get out of. So the only thing you can control is, is that, and that's the first step. And then mm-hmm. actually acting on those things is the second. After everything that, that happened, right, when did you finally start playing basketball again or start running again? And what did that feel like for you? I was like, let me get that prosthetic right away ASAP. <laughs> um, I was like, where's my other golden leg? I, I literally said that. But, you know, I had to wait. I obviously had to, you know, like, I think I was pretty fast when I, I amputated in January and I was up by, like, September. Wow. The prosthetic company, uh, Oser, they make my feet. Mm-hmm. So they allow me to do all of the amazing things that I love to do each and every day. And, you know, they supply my, my blades for me, which are really, really sick. But yeah, like just my feet in general, what I can do, my, my mobility is just like anyone else. I mean, I do every single thing and it's just a beautiful thing. Like I'm just so fortunate and so grateful and I just really feel lucky to be alive. I think this is a good time to take a quick moment to give you the 411 on Sephora Collection, which helped bring this new season of Lip Stories to life. Thanks to Sephora Collection, we were able to bring a wide range of unfiltered conversations with people we admire. You can expect more episodes with intimate discussions about makeup, beauty, and how it's inherently diverse and very empowering. Because let's face it, when we look and feel like our best selves, we just radiate that positive energy out into the world. And who doesn't love that? I know I do. So for some reason, you just have not hit the subscribe button yet. What are you waiting for? Do it now. And be sure to check out all the other episodes we have coming up. While we're talking about Sephora Collection, let's not forget their beautiful line of lipsticks called, what else? Lip Stories. Their Lip Stories collection is meant to celebrate the wild adventures and magical moments in your life. So be sure to grab a shade or four of them. I mean, they're $8 a pop, so, you know, you might want to grab two or more. You can check out the full range of shades online at Sephora.com or stop by your nearest Sephora store. All right, now let's get back to our conversation. Kind of circling back to the modeling, so obviously now you're modeling again. Thank God, yeah. I mean, this is incredible. Growing up, obviously, you were so immersed in this world, but you probably, did you see models that look like you were models that were amputees ever? No, I, I definitely think I've kind of, like, especially, too, with the, the whole, like, um, 100% cotton tampons and, and things like thinks that are available to women now, I really feel like I paved that way yeah. for women to realize that, you know, there is a, a, a danger here and there are companies like those that are trying to get people to wake up and say, hey, this is why we've created this product. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like I've, I've kind of been responsible for that, but also creating my own lane in the fashion world because I don't really have a box. I'm really beating all the stigmas. I'm really like have people see me for me and to see that there is no difference, that I am just like everyone else. I just have gold legs, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, and just showing anyone and, and everyone that it's possible, whatever your dream can be like. Our minds are changing the way things are, are in this in this world are definitely moving in a direction where we're more open minded and we're definitely open to a lot of different things that you know, 10 years ago, I definitely would never imagine myself being in this position. I don't even think the modeling world would have accepted me. Right. You know, I definitely think, you know, timing is everything. And I think that I'm just, I'm at this place where I'm supposed to be. And it's... Well, you're like creating so, yeah. that place. Yeah, creating that lane, but also right. just, you know, trying to 
just get the world to think a little differently. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that in order for the world to think a little bit differently, right, they have to see it. Yeah, seeing seeing is everything. You know, that's that's huge. Um, you're working so hard to like make the world more diverse and inclusive in your own way. What can everyday people, right, who like maybe don't have the positions in the media or like in a fashion campaign to hire someone like you, like what can every person do? Be to themselves. Make a and do what you love and, and be the voice for whatever isn't being talked about. Mm-hmm. I think we all have that power is discussion, dialogue, opening up the conversations and speaking amongst, amongst each other, you know, whether it's a bunch of women or it's it's men and women, it's just being able to create that space. And, and if there's something that you feel like is important and you want to bring up, talk about it you know have a group of your girlfriends or your friends around and bring it up and say like how can I bring more attention I mean social media is so amazing that anyone could bring attention to really anything and, and kind of create their own platform so I think there is no excuse to why anyone couldn't do any change or, or do anything good because you have all the tools so I mean obviously you're advocating for knowledge right and uh, when it comes to TSS are there like a couple different, like three tips that you can share with people? Like for instance, like I just learned I can't sleep with a tampon and I had, I'm 31 years old and yeah. I'm going to be honest with you. No one has ever told that to me before. Yeah. And I don't, and I consider myself an educated woman. Like I think these are just but things not that women fault, don't know. But it's not your fault. You know what I'm saying? Like that's another thing is it's like, that's why it's so key to have these conversations right. because it's not the lack of knowledge. It's a lack of dialogue. It's a right. lack of communication and bringing up these these points and being like, oh, wow, like that is something, you know, like um, don't sleep in your tampon ever in life. Uh, the absorbency obviously is horrible. The more absorbent, the more toxic. I did not know that. That's... I, yeah, this is like TMI for me, but like I buy super absorbent tampons. Like that's do. what I look for, you know. I cannot believe yeah. that. Yeah, and know if that. you're, you know, if you're, you're already sick or feel like you have the flu definitely don't use the tampons because you you know your body's already fighting something. so you're more susceptible if you're already sick yeah I mean I think you know if your body's already fighting something and then you you put something in such a vulnerable area and it's something that is in my, to me extremely toxic mm-hmm. your body is already fighting you know right. being sick and then having to fight toxins which shouldn't even be in there in the first place i mean tampons if you look in the back of a box it says chlorine bleach rayon you know i mean these are all things that shouldn't even be allowed or legal yeah but anywhere that we should be putting inside of our bodies at such a sensitive time and and now that you know we have technology is so advanced that there are things that we could be using instead of those you know synthetic fibers that are Mm -hmm. super dangerous for us you know i mean do you think that when you were going through that challenging time or that dark time or however you want to phrase that period in mm-hmm. your life, right? Do you feel like if you saw more people that looked like you or saw more representation in the media, maybe it would have been so difficult? Because now you're that for someone else, right? I mean, I did. I mean, you know, I, there's Amy Purdy. She's amazing. You know, she's a professional snowboarder. Mm-hmm. Um you know, there's this kid named Hunter Woodhall who's a double amputee and he runs able-bodied. Uh, he has a full scholarship. Mm-hmm. You know, there's this guy named Bionic Body in, in France. He literally looks like a superhero. Mm-hmm. Because of social media, I did have that idea of I could as well. Right. And I think that's, too, again, why I'm grateful for the, for my platform is because I can do that for others, too, because mm-hmm. I know how important it is. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, yeah, I mean, if I, I don't think if I had that, I'd... 
I wouldn't know what to expect. I would be like, holy shit, like it's over. Like my, you know, I wouldn't be able to run again. I wouldn't be able to do X, Y, and Z, but I actually can. So how has your idea of beauty changed over time? Definitely growing up one-sided, I only saw beauty, like I said, perfection, and that 1% judged people based on their looks, what cars they drove. You know, I mean, in my in my early 20s, I was kind of just a jerk and, and very superficial. Um, but again, what teenager is not? Yeah, you get, <laughs> to you my get defense. a yeah. <laughs> To my defense. Um, you know, and I feel like God took something physical from me that I couldn't hide. And, you know, it wasn't like I could just walk outside and everything be okay this was my legs this was my mobility this was you know something physical and I had to embrace it I didn't have a a choice not to if I didn't embrace it I wouldn't be able to walk again I wouldn't be able to you know do all the amazing things I'm doing now had I not been you know so fearful of what the next step would have been I just kind of went with it and trusted it and tried it and what kind of impact do you think the fashion industry, beauty campaigns, pop culture have on kids and their perception of beauty? Well, social media nowadays is so intense. I think everyone's fed so much stuff. It's kind of overwhelming. I mean, I see myself and find myself taking social media breaks. I have to. But kids are so connected to their phones nowadays. They're just Sucking constantly up. fed, I think, false reality and, and false expectations. And it's kind of it bums me out because... Social media is kind of that. It kind of sets up this false world that shows that someone's living a better life than you or someone has something different than you. And people just need to be focused on being a kid and enjoying life and, and, you know, following their dreams and doing what they want to rather than what the next person's doing or because this person has five million followers or whatever, you know. Mm -hmm. The likes, too, is just, I mean, I couldn't even imagine being a teenage girl right now. Let's just put it that way. It'd be insane. Right. Yeah. There's um, all these like terms that come with beauty, right? Like cute, beautiful, hot, smoking, stunning, whatever. Um, do you think these terms are okay or like how and what would you prefer to be called? Yeah. I mean, I think embracing, you know, someone says you're beautiful to say thank you. You know, mm-hmm. I think it's not like someone's probably just hitting on you. I mean, they're probably, <laughs> you know, who knows? It may just be like a nice person just trying to show, tell you that you're beautiful. I think just being more open to the compliments. A lot of people have a hard time taking compliments. They I really think that's do. really interesting. Why do you think it is? Because you can always just write someone and be like, oh, you're so hot. Or you can like, you know, on social media, do the heart faces and stuff or whatever. But like when it comes to actually face to face and being one on one, I think it's like a little weird. Like you said, people are so into their phones they kind of lost the eye contact and and being personable and present and kind of like picking up on cues you know even just regular social things I think it's kind of really diluted since we've just been glued to the screen I know you said you don't wear a lot of makeup Mm -hmm. but if you were to put on makeup or do skincare like have a glam look what would be the first beauty product would you apply would you do like a big wink liner would you do a bold lip like what makes you feel like glam is on I love the wing. Uh, unfortunately, I'm not talented <laughs> enough to it's, do that. You ha- it's practice. I know, but girl, I ain't trying to sit there and practice. <laughs> I don't want it that bad. <laughs> um, no, but I, I definitely love a wing for sure. I'm really into like the colors. Like you're wearing green right now. I yeah. love that. Oh, um, thank you. Yeah, I've been into that as well. Like kind of brightening it up because I'm very just like 
not basic, but I'm just minimal. And right. um, just adding that little flair, I think, can can make it really fun. So I've been on that tip, too. So I, I really like it. Good. Oh, good. I'm glad that you're on that. I feel like uh, for me, when I think of beauty, right, I think of it as a way to show off your personality and show who you are. Right. Not to mask who you are. Mm-hmm. And so that's why like I love a pop of color because I'm like, hi, I'm Christina. I'm wearing <laughs> neon today. Here I am. Yeah. You know? And I just feel like it adds so much personality. Yeah. And it's fun. And obviously fun. like you're wearing like bright pink shorts today. Yeah. Yeah. And you're in so much color. I mean, how do you kind of like <laughs> I never really wear that much color. You don't? Thank you for showing up for me. <laughs> you're like <laughs> uh, no, I've been into it lately. I've just I definitely been into it. But I'm I'm more like, you know, black girl. Um but I do like that pop of color for sure. Yeah. But today I'm very bright, you know, feeling it. Feeling it. Yeah. Can I ask about with your legs? Obviously, you like the golden legs. Uh-huh. I, I don't mean, I don't want to sound like insensitive because I don't know that much about this. But <laughs> you I w- cannot be insensitive. Please ask. Okay. Away. So like, how did you choose golden legs? Like, is that? Oh, that was because I really was trying to figure out a way. How can I? Because when I when this first happened to me, you get a basic prosthetic. God forbid anyone gets hit by a car or something happens, your insurance will only cover a basic peg leg. Okay. And that and prosthetics Which are is, so expensive. Right. And this leg is supposed to be something that gets you back, right? It's supposed to be motivating. It's For and sure. to see that thing be as ugly as it was and as basic as can be and to feel so like cardboard. I hated it because I was like, how is this thing going to make me like me again? I felt very just not myself. And once I kind of got used to it and whatever, and I was like, how can I make this dope? How can I like feel one with it? Because I can use it, but I need to feel like myself. Mm -hmm. And then once I started figuring everything out, I was like, I'm going to be like Aesop Rocky. Uh, instead of you know rocking gold teeth, I'm just in a you know rock gold legs. So That's it's like so badass. now it's kind of like my jewelry piece. You know? Yeah, it's, um, I love them. I mean, your boldest accessory. I love that. Yeah, they're you know everyone's got gold teeth. I got gold legs. <laughs> everyone's got gold <laughs> teeth. I love that. <laughs> you know, what I'm saying? it's just my it's my thing. I like that. That's so cool. If you had a magic wand, right, and you could wave it so that everyone feels like their best self. What do you think that would you'd want people to feel? Do you want them to feel badass, empowered, beautiful? Like what to you is so important? I want them to feel their own worth. I think feeling your own worth is so important, really knowing yourself. I think like right now I'm in a point where I'm falling in love with myself again and really connecting with who I am and really finding out, you know, what are my goals? What do I want to achieve? You know, where do I see myself in five years? And really having these conversations with myself that a lot of people I think are probably afraid to mm-hmm. because they don't know. But it's all it's all about getting to know yourself and figuring that out. And um, I just really encourage people to do that because we're always chasing something. We're always after something. But I think you should chase after yourself, chase after being the best possible version of yourself. But that also takes time and that also takes you to be alone and that also takes you to kind of really dig deep and figure out you know what it is you want out of this life because we only get that one and Mm -hmm. that's kind of I've just been pouring everything into myself and really feeling and being present so I definitely highly recommend that to every single person yeah I think that's really powerful and really important because I think a lot of people are chasing goals and are like scared to acknowledge their present and what they really want and who they are. Yeah, we forget that. I mean, a lot of us do, you know. I mean, I'm, I always am, I, I always constantly remind myself. Like, I even watch, you know, old things. I, I look at old 
pictures. I look at everything I've done since this has happened, and it really just fuels my next ventures because I'm like, I came from nothing. I had a 1% chance of survival, and here I am, and I've done X, Y, and Z, and this is only the beginning. Yeah. Okay, you know? so then what's so. next? I have so much. Well, honestly. let me hear so a couple things. Much. Like, where do you are you gonna do you want to do more modeling? I know you mentioned oh, yeah. before you love Jim Carrey. Is there like acting? Yeah, in yeah, the future? Um, definitely acting. Um, I'm obviously back on my model game. Mm -hmm. um, doing some beauty stuff coming film. So beauty stuff, film stuff, film modeling. Stuff. Just a lot of great stuff. Yeah. Like honestly, I'm I'm smiling and kind of hesitant to tell you because it's so like, you know, it's good stuff. Like I want everyone to be excited and I'm excited be looking for, you. for it. So um yeah, I like I said, I'm just trying to be the best possible version and, and do as much as I can and, and use my platform the highest I could possibly get and yeah, kill it, man. If you have like a five year plan, right? Like where do you want to see yourself in five years? I would love an Oscar. Oh, that is awesome. I would love an Oscar for you. <laughs> Let's make I, that I happen. I want an Oscar. Yeah, I would love. I really just want to be. I would love to be on SNL. I just really want to want to act. I really love being a goofball, and just also that's just my my love, my passion. To be honest, modeling I love. I will always have a, a love for it, but it's something that comes with it as well. You always have to be in a ch chameleon kind of right. in general. Regardless right, of it's, if it's uh, acting or if it's modeling. So, you know, it goes hand in hand. So, yeah. And I'm training my butt off, guys, for the New York City Marathon. So When is the marathon? November 3rd. Oh, my <laughs> So, you goodness. know, I've got some time, but it's crunch time. Yeah, so, you know, I'm just working on myself and, you know, have a bunch of amazing things in the works and training my butt off. That's pretty much my life right now. So I'm hustling. I'm so excited. The girls over here hustling. Yeah, girl, get yeah. it. So. Um, where can everyone listening follow you? Where can they keep up with you? Uh, mostly on my Instagram at The Impossible Muse. Um, I didn't get that name for nothing. No. You know, always got that pouty face. I love your attitude. Um. <laughs> She's so fierce, guys. But, but yeah, that's, that's where you can catch me. All right, cool. Well, make sure you catch up with Lauren on her Instagram at The Impossible Muse. And thanks, you guys, so much for tuning in, Lauren. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thank you so much for having yeah, me. Yeah, you're fun. awesome. You're awesome. Guys, she's motivated me to go running tonight. <laughs> Stay tuned for that. <laughs> Wish me luck. Thank you again. Thank you so much. All right, that was such a fun and inspiring conversation. I learned a lot and I hope you did too and that you loved this episode. A special thank you to our partners at Sephora Collection for helping make this episode possible. Head to Sephora to check out the Lip Stories Collection. I recently went to my local Sephora and picked up shade 66, so make sure to check out that one especially. I hope you've liked what you've heard on today's show and if you have, take a moment and subscribe to Lip Stories wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to rate and review our show and give us those five stars. And tell a friend or two to listen to our show. And, you know, I'll be here next week. I'll talk to you in the next episode.